Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Welcome to another episode of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm happy to connect with you this week. We are back and it is Valentine's week. It is a little bit warmer here this past week in Ontario, Canada, where I'm located. We've had some sun, a little bit uh, better weather, but I mean, I'm talking it's above zero degrees Celsius, um, which is great for us in the winter. We had one day that was minus 40. It was feeling like minus 40 degrees Celsius, and that was pretty pretty cold. Uh, So I would have been really glad to get outside and enjoy a little bit of the sun with this reprieve that we've had. It's also Valentine's week. So if Valentine's Day is something that you enjoy, I hope that you're finding a way to enjoy it um, this week. I've seen so many great recipes around Valentine's Day um, that are gluten and dairy free. And so those are super fun to look at. Also, we had the Super Bowl, and again, I've seen so many amazing recipes around that. A lot for gluten-free, like, pizza rolls this year. That seems to be the popular one that keeps popping up um, from different creators, but they all look really good. I did not make any of them, but maybe one day I will get to it. So (laughs) it's been pretty busy um, in my personal life, so I have not been baking and stuff as much as I would like, but I'm sure I will get back there at some point. So this week on the podcast, we are going to speak with Dr. Lilach Saperstein, and she is an audiologist and parent coach that helps families feel confident and connected to their children in their lives. She integrates information from different resources along with the emotional journey that she's had in terms of parenthood. Um, She has her own podcast all about audiology, which has been downloaded over 70,000 times, and she gives so much wonderful information on there. Today, she's going to be giving us a bit of a primer in terms of audiology. And so what I was really interested in to understand from her is, um, you know, more about language development, of course, to understand, you know, if you're dealing with a young person, understanding language development, and then also getting more into um, understanding audio processing and audio processing disorder. This was something when my son was struggling with pandas, um, I was recommended by a teacher like, you know, go look into audio processing, maybe there's an issue there. And it turned out that there wasn't, but it was something that I had never heard of. And so I thought, you know, if anybody does have a school-aged child, this information about audio processing, and then for younger children and school-age, the language development information is quite great. And I love that Dr. Saperstein can kind of take the audiology piece, that medical piece, but then also overlay it with her parent coach information. So I hope that you'll enjoy this episode with Dr. Lilac Saperstein. So welcome Lilac to the podcast. Happy to connect with you today. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. 
That's great. So why don't we start with you providing a little bit of your background and how you got interested in audiology? Sure. So one of the things about me, and I think a lot of people relate to this, is that we have so many different interests and so many different passions, and we want to like find our thing. <laughs> That's so hard to go back and especially when you're so young, you're, you know, in undergrad trying to figure out a major and how that like fits in with your life's purpose. But like, Hey, life is long and things change over time. I think that's the nice understanding of my thirties. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time I was really interested in teaching and, and explaining things. I was always tutoring everyone. And, you know, I, I really love explaining things. You'll hear me use a lot of analogies um, to try to explain things in, in like, there was a lot of education on my mind, but also I was very interested in healthcare. So audiology really combined those two things for me. It's very much about communication and connection, which were things that were have always been important to me. Um, and it, it really combined all those interests together. And I'm so glad to have discovered it because I didn't even know about audiology as a career path until I learned about it in college. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's one of those things that, yeah, you don't kind of hear about until later in life. And so that's kind of why I wondered how you how you got into it. So why don't we get into a little bit more around audiology and just thinking, I have a lot of parents that listen to the podcast. What are some of the things that you would kind of give in terms of a one-on-one for parents about what they should know about language development? Absolutely. As parents, we are looking at so many things all at once. We're keeping track of what they're eating and diapers and the potty training. And then there's the whole education part, like, you know, filling their minds and then also filling their souls and like making them feel safe and good. And we're doing all of that all together all at once, possibly for multiple children. And you have a job and you have mm -hmm. relationships. So like <laughs> that whole, but just like to take a real moment that for parents to, Take that breath and know that you are juggling so many things. And when when you have an expert on one thing, they're going to come and say, this is the one most important thing to look out for. And that's uh, one of many very mm -hmm. important things to be looking at. So even, you know, just as a, a, a blanket statement for everything we're going to talk about. So when it comes to language development, we're not just talking about talking. We're not only talking about what words they say and in what order at what age, but actually language is this huge part of our experience as humans, as our relationships with each other, our access to information and connection and, and learning. And language is really the basis of our cognition, how we think, how we talk about the past and the future, talking about abstract concepts and, um, you know, when we when we talk about language and, and we get so hung up on exactly the milestones at what precise little wrong you're up to, instead of looking at it as an overall progression of skills that build on one another. But, that you know, it sense. is. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I do think at the same time, right, like language is one of these huge parts of of the relationship. And connection-based parenting is something I'm so, so passionate about for parents to focus on how your child relates to you, relates to themselves. You know, those are huge, huge skills, and it really all comes back around to the basis of the language. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And connection-based parenting, what do you mean by that, just in case people aren't familiar? Yeah, there's a lot of different terms around these ideas recently. I, I, I really like the this one because it's, you know, some people call it like gentle parenting or what was the other ones? Um, you know, there's all these different terms about, mm-hmm. like, long story short, your child is a real human, yeah. <laughs> a full-fledged human since the very beginning and respecting their autonomy, respecting their, their needs, mm-hmm. um, you know, having this relationship be at the core of the parenting experience, um, I think is, is a huge shift in, in a lot of circles that I'm in and something I, I talk about a lot instead of I'm the parent, you do what I say, mm-hmm. um, stay quiet, get out of the way, you know, that kind of perspective. Absolutely. We, I had somebody recently speaking about conscious parenting was what the term was. And so that sounds very similar. So yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And so you mentioned about milestones. um, And that was something I actually ran into as a young parent is my son wasn't meeting the language development milestones. And, you know, it started to become concerning. And so I'm wondering what your thoughts are if a parent is thinking their child seems to be delayed. Um, what are the red flags? What should they watch out for? I know it's so easy as a parent to get yourself hyped up and other times so easy to say, you know what, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. So I wondered where we should be kind of in there as a parent and and if you can provide a little more context. Yeah. Milestones are really tough because they are a range and everyone you know, some kids are going to be on the quick, super duper fast lane of things and other kids are take their time and are going to develop at their pace and anywhere, everywhere in between. So there's always a range around these things. Yes, we want first words by a year. That's like a nice little thing to sort of put in your head. But if it's 13 months or 14 months or even 10 or 11 months, that's still around the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what people get hung up on is like, you know, within this two week span, this new skill needs to emerge. That's quite small. So, you know, making a two to three month range around plus minus of these various milestones, I think can give people a little bit of peace of mind, but you also have to know yourself. Some people themselves are very on top of things always and maybe more anxious where other parents are more wait and see and let's like sort of let this happen. So you have to know what side of that you are on and then also see how your child is doing. So again, those milestones are important and we do want to keep an eye on them. That's why you have your pediatrician and you have, you know, other people hopefully in your child's life that are all sort of quietly monitoring that things are progressing. So for me, what I really hope that that parents keep in their it, like be conscious of that there's skill progression. So whether mm-hmm. or not the first word came in at a year or 14 or 15 months, what I want to see two or three months after that is that they're starting to put two words together. And after that, that they're doing more than just naming things, but they're also requesting and making observations and making even jokes. Like what other skills are developing? And it, are those skills building on one another? That's an important piece. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so for parents, you know, then kind of do that in consultation with like your pediatrician or whoever else you may be working with to kind of keep track and then alert if they're not seeing that kind of progression, I guess. Yeah. And in terms of the one of the red flags from audiology side is that if there's ear infections or chronic fluid in the ears, that's something mm-hmm. that you really want to keep an eye on and get those ear, nose, and throat appointments scheduled because you're going to have to wait two or three months to get one. So like, get on top of that because mm-hmm. that really affects the hearing and it also affects the actual health of the ear and the child feeling all stuffed up and hearing as if they're underwater. That's going to affect how they hear and then how they develop the sounds of speech. And also there's a lot of research connecting early childhood chronic ear infections um, and fluid in the ears with later in school difficulties with learning, difficulties with processing sound. So we want to keep it a clear, beautiful pathway for sounds to come into the ear as much as possible. All kids get ear infections, but when it becomes a chronic issue, something that's going on for more than three months, four or five, six, well, you know, we're, we're starting to already see impact later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, okay. that's not to say if you have an ear infection, you need to immediately freak out. And, you know, there is a progression that like, that it sort of clears up by itself a lot of times without any intervention or medication. We just want to see that it does clear up, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a really good one. Okay, that's helpful. And so you mentioned processing there. And that was something else that we looked into at one point was an audio processing disorder. I wondered if you could maybe, I know others have heard of that or been advised to get assessed for it. I wondered if you could explain what that is. And again, kind of red flags and what maybe parents should be watching out for in terms of knowing if that could be a situation to look into. Sure. So I love talking about how our ears work because it is so fascinating but I will not go into too much detail. But essentially we have these three parts of our ear that are bringing the the sounds from our environment all around us through the ear, the ear canal, the eardrum, those three little bones and into the cochlea, the inner ear. And all these different parts of the pathway need to be functioning all together so that the sounds get in. And that's what we call the ear, the outer, middle and inner ear. And then there's the nerve that carries now this information up to the brain. And along the brain, there's all these different places where it crosses over from right to left and back again. There's tons of processing that once the sounds have come into the the ear, once they have been captured, um, the sensory input is, is in, what does our brain then do with that information? And that is the processing side of things. And what we do when we're processing sounds is that we are picking out the important sound versus the background, this filtering that we can do because we've got two ears. And so our, our brain is factoring in what's important. Also where sounds are coming from localization is someone on my left side. Are they behind me? Is it high up or low down? These are also things that we are, it's not just about hearing the sound. It's about what we're then understanding about the location of the sound, the quality of the sound. I think an easy way for people to think about this is that when you're speaking to someone who has an accent, you need to be paying attention a little more, especially if it's an unfamiliar accent or someone, you know, you've just met. And so you're hearing all the sounds and you even can be speaking the same language, but there's something 
extra taxing, extra difficult that your processing is doing to try and really catch all the words and the meaning. How do we know if something is off? Like, how do we know with our child? Because like our child won't say to us, I don't think I'm processing things correctly. So what are we kind of (laughs) looking for? (laughs) Totally true. So auditory processing disorder is something that we really start looking at around age six, seven. Prior to that, it's harder to parse out. Is this a development, language development issue? Is this an actual hearing issue versus processing? So we, we really, you know, if it, there are people who will start talking about it earlier, but f- for the most part, audiologists really start this question to parse out, is it processing or is it something else going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we, what we usually see is the child who has good hearing, we're doing all the tests and they hear well, but they're still saying what all the time. They're missing the instructions. They're not attuned when you call them. You have to call them a few times. And most of the time when kids are older, school age, they'll have trouble with multi-step directions that are given auditorily. They have trouble in the classroom. Um, they're overwhelmed by sounds. These are some of the hallmark signs of auditory processing disorder. And they're also, unfortunately, also overlap with a lot of other things like ADHD mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, uh, so it's, it's definitely a long process to, to parse that out and get a diagnosis, but it's very helpful. That process can give a lot of insight onto what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are that we can help strengthen. Um, and so if anybody's concerned about any of those things, always start with a hearing test. See an audiologist and, and yeah. And so, yeah, I was going to ask, like, what does the testing look like then specifically around audio processing and then even like the treatment? Like what what would you do? Mm -hmm. The testing is very, very interesting. We do a lot of different tasks with headphones on right ear, Mm -hmm. separate from left ear, where we're we're giving some sounds to the right, some sounds to the left and asking a person to focus on one or the other to be able to see can they separate those two things? Can they integrate them? Um, Timing, pitch matching. There's like all these different skills that we try to isolate. Which of the auditory skills is the child having trouble with? And then based on that, we would make recommendations for how to strengthen them. And that would usually be with a speech language pathologist who would target those skills specifically. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. So it's not, I know when we went through it, I just kind of wanted to get across, like, it isn't a super scary test, you know, it's one where the child's sitting there with headphones, and it's almost like a sound booth, at least that's what we experienced. And so yeah. uh, I remember even afterwards, my son was like, oh, that wasn't so bad for a test. I didn't, <laughs> didn't wasn't expecting it to be um, so easy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, the word test is very frightening in general. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Hearing game, um, evaluation yeah. is a little yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's, I think, all really helpful, especially because that could be a piece of a puzzle maybe that a parent's trying to put together for their child. I wondered if you could talk a little bit more. You alluded to it a bit earlier when we talked about parenting, but a bit more on the the way that you can integrate mindfulness and connection with language development and how those things all kind of come together. 100%. Um, I think, it, you know, we, we have to start from the beginning. 
which is that, you know, there are children that are born into very unfortunate and devastating situations, um, orphanages, things like that, where nobody touches them, nobody holds them, nobody makes eye contact with them. Those babies literally die from not having any like human contact touch. They're starved of that connection because the nervous system relies on that for survival. Sorry to be so morbid, but it's, it's frightening. <laughs> and when, when we see that that is the outcome um, of not having any connection, any relationship with, with caregivers in a stable way in early childhood, that that also applies in the sense of language and of having any kind of communicative interaction. And again, that means looking into a baby's eyes and giggling or moving back and forth uh, playing peekaboo, all of those things are actually also language, right? Mm. Um, holding a child really close to you and swaying, that is a lot of nervous system regulation that you're communicating, I am here, you are safe. All of that is is the basic foundations of, of feeling secure in your body as, an, as a child growing and then having then the safety to take risks and try new things. You know, we see that a lot with toddlers in the playground where are they the kid that's going to try to climb the thing and like attempt it or they're going to hang back and wait for someone to walk through it with them. Both of those are fine, right? But it's it's just about the communication that they are in constant awareness of themselves and caregiver with them, you know, mm-hmm. parent, grandparent, cousin, whoever, right? That's why I say that. So, um when we when we know that that's actually the biggest thing we can do to help our child thrive and succeed and learn and maintain happy and healthy relationships throughout their whole life is being there with them being present with them being present with ourselves like it has to start there um and that's a tall order so i don't mean to pressure anyone we're all living in the real world too Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not a constant thing but I, I think if we're conscious of it and we bring it in every so often throughout the day throughout the week where even for a moment for a minute we make eye contact we, we try and have a, a positive and connected experience together that is enormously powerful for their development in every area um, but it's really about that connection that language together yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense and and that's a great tip about, you know, just trying to get that connection wherever you can. I think a lot of people don't think about that in terms of development quite the same or language development, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and there's so much pressure that we have from all around us to be doing what mm-hmm. we can do with our kids, what games to do, what to say to them and what activities to do and like there's so much doing, but really mm-hmm. that early, those early years, it is about being, it's about, you know, getting down on the floor, tummy time with your baby. That's good for you too, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> like being on their level and being with them, sitting on the floor, reading a book, like looking at two things together, pointing at the sky together, discussing that there's a cloud, that's shared attention. These are, you know, shared attention with another person and sustained attention. These are all things that are foundational skills for lots of other things going forward. Uh, yeah. So you're doing a lot. You are doing a lot by being so much. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But you're definitely right that there's the focus on the doing, you know, like, did I take them to this? Or did we travel here? Or you know what I mean? And, and uh, yeah. it's maybe not where the attention is best <laughs> at times. Yeah, that's it's a, great it's about a balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wondered before we wrap up, are there any other kind of key pieces of advice or tips or tools that you want to share with the audience? Well, if someone's listening to podcasts like these, they're already doing so much for helping the, you know, learning and, and gaining as much knowledge and experience as you can, which is awesome. So good for you. Instead of, you know, a million other things you could be doing, you're still coming for this. So good for you. And I would say that continue asking questions. There's no one that knows everything about every topic. How could you? And then you have a whole new person that they're a whole new bundle of questions to learn about. So never stop asking questions and don't be ashamed. No one's supposed to know how to do this before you do. And then you have another kid and it's a whole new story all over again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I found um, before everybody said, um, oh yeah, have a second. It's just like the same. And it's like, oh, not at all. It's like they're totally different people and, and totally different. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I have three daughters that are eight, six, and almost five. And yeah, it's definitely each one is a whole world. I'm a different mother with each of them, I think. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And on that, on that um, same vein, also to really listen to your gut and trust yourself as the parent, like before we spoke about, should you be more anxious or more wait and see on things? And I think I think there's a part of you that knows like something's not exactly as I think it should be. So ask the question. Don't be ashamed to go for it. Or if other people around you are all alarmist and you're like, no, my kid is fine. I know they're OK. You know, that's, there's something about getting in touch with yourself and how you're feeling about things that's intensely powerful. And so much of the journey of parenting is learning to be with your own thoughts and your own triggers and your own goals. It's a very, um, it's quite an emotional journey. And I don't mm -hmm. think we, we take, we take that into account enough, especially from professionals that come and do all sorts of evaluations and paperwork. And like, you know, we got 20 minutes together, boom, boom, boom. We don't necessarily take the time to say, Hey, this is hard. You're doing a good job and it makes sense that you're overwhelmed. So that's something that I, I, I do with my clients online. I do a lot of counseling to families that, you know, you, you have your clinical people that are taking care of all the things, but then you come into a session with me so we can talk about how this is actually affecting your life, your relationships, um, your, you know, the big, the bigger questions about what's going on in your life with this, with this child. Absolutely. And so that gets into a little bit of your role as a parent coach, right? Yes. Perfect. Yes. And also this year, we're starting a new project in um, 2023. No matter when you hear this, you can, you can join us. Um, it's weekly mindfulness exercises that are simple and short. Like, because nobody, you know, we all hear about meditation. I don't think any of us are going on a 10-day retreat. That's not really compatible with motherhood for the most part. So, you know, I really try to bring in a simple skill that we can practice for ourselves once a week. And that's uh, 
the project called All About You 52 for 52 weeks of the year. And there's more information about that. If anyone wants to join, you get a seven-day free trial to check out a bunch of these audios. It's really fun. And a community of us doing it together. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, that's great. Maybe I can link up in the show notes. Is there a website or what's the best spot for people to find out more? Yeah, you can visit allaboutaudiology.com. And then if you add allaboutaudiology.com slash mindfulness, that will take you right there. Perfect. And what about the other ways people can contact you if they're kind of thinking either on the parent coach side or they're wondering more about audiology? What are the best ways to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Find me on Instagram at All About Audiology Podcast, on Facebook as well. And you can um, find me on TikTok these days as well, <laughs> although I try not to be on there too much. But yeah, definitely send me a DM. I'd be so glad to speak with you, see what's going on and how I could help. If you want to join our community too, that's, you know, trying to, it's not just about audiology, but the, the trying to find the presence even with one breath a day, like where you actually took it on purpose. That's huge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You're right. There's so many um, parents feeling very overwhelmed with all of the different things. I think, you know, the pandemic heightened things. And I just, I don't feel like for a lot of us, it's come back down, you know, like it's, it still feels very busy and heavy and a lot to do. So I can see 100%. A good community. <laughs> yes. I agree. Awesome. Now, and now it's almost like we've come back, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and yet now we're like still managing all the things we were doing when we were in a different situation. Now it's like double challenges. Yeah. And then there's almost this <sighs> pressure to like, to do the comeback of like, okay, so right. now, okay, like, what did I do in 29? Oh, yeah, we went on vacation and we went here and we did. So I guess we have to do all of that again. So <laughs> it's, it's a busy time, I think, for parents. Totally true. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time today. I think this is hopefully going to be great, like a basis for people to understand a little bit more about audiology and then definitely the things that you can offer in terms of your parent coaching as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to Dr. Saperstein for her time and all of her wonderful explanations that I think really help give us um, as parents a bit of a grounding in language development, audio processing, what we're really looking for, and how we can really support our children over those developing years. Um, and, And then if you do find yourself needing to go further into some of these tests, what that actually looks like. I think it's really helpful to get an idea of that. I know when I was going through it myself, I really had no idea what we were heading in for with the testing and how everything worked and and even really what we were looking for. It was just kind of like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Go to the next thing. Um, and, and it can often feel like that as parents. So really appreciate her time today. Um, again, if you're looking for more information from Dr. Saperstein. You can visit her Instagram. It's at All About Audiology Podcast. You can visit her website, allaboutaudiology.com. Also, her mindfulness page is allaboutaudiology.com slash mindfulness. And then her Facebook group is on facebook.com, Lilac Saperstein AUD. So 
for audiologist. Check out all of the information that she has there that can really give you even more of a grounding in terms of parenting as well as audiology. I hope that everyone is enjoying the winter and that you're moving right along. I know I keep feeling like we're almost there in terms of this winter, but I know there's more to come for sure. But I hope everyone's keeping well and keeping warm. Have a great week.